Josh and Chelsea, do you guys hear that? Josh and Chelsea are back from Brazil. Where are they at? Right here. Well, we have Josh. Chelsea's working. Oh, <laughs> that's it. Awesome. And uh, Max. Max is like our adopted son. Max, where are you? Max is there. He's home for the holidays. Awesome. Wanted turkey. He's really skinny. He used to be over 400 pounds. But look at him. Stand up now, Max. It's time to get fattened up, boy. That's it. Amen. And uh, John and Esther, I noticed that Anthony and Tina are here. And family. I don't know the girls' names. Sorry, sorry girls. Hannah, Hope, and Hayden. Awesome. Why don't you give them a hand? Amen? Who else has family here? Who else has family here? Raise your hand if you have family here. Awesome. We have family here. My sister, Teresa, is here. And, uh, and who else has family here? Let's give all these people a hand that have family here. Amen. <laughs> Christmas. Well, we're talking about uh, today the gift of people. We've been in this series on, on the gift and we're talking today about the gift of people. You know, the Christmas story is the greatest story ever told. And uh, it's an incredible story where the gift of Christmas really comes out. And how many of you know the star, and we know this, of course, of the Christmas story is the fact that God gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that so whoever believes in him should not die, should not perish, but really experience not only life now, but life everlasting. And so we understand that when we look at the gift of Christmas, we look at the gift of, of Christ coming, the incredible sacrifice, God becoming man. You know, I don't think we really realize how uh, amazing that really is. You know, I remember one time reading a story about a Hindu uh, man who was concerned because an anthill was about to be plowed under by a tractor. And he's like, if only I could shrink down and become an ant, then I could warn them. And in that moment, he understood God becoming man. He understood the, the story of Christmas in that, in that in instant. That, that's an incredible thing. The incredible sacrifice of the God who had been created all things and was worshipped from the beginning of all eternity uh, it really comes down to save you and I. What an incredible story. You know, we think about the perfect planning that that must have taken. And uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit tomorrow night. But do uh, you know the prophecies that uh, predicted Jesus' coming? the way Jesus would live his life, the way Jesus would die. Those prophecies in the Bible are, are in the, it, close to 100 different prophecies. And I'm going to talk about tomorrow night a little bit about just the mathematical probability of any other human being fulfilling what Jesus fulfilled. It's kind of an incredible thing, the planning that took place. Things like that he would be born from a virgin. How could predict that one? You know, where he would be born. 1,500 years before he was born in that place, where he was born. Different things like that, pretty incredible. And of course, the dazzling supernatural occurrences, you can't miss them. The angelic visitations, uh, you know, the choirs from heaven singing, uh, just different things that happen. Christmas is this incredible story, and the grand uh, character of this story, of course, is Jesus. But how many of you know, even today, the Christmas story is being written? It's being written today because Jesus is inviting people to become part of the story. And your response and my response to Jesus in this hour really either invites us to come into his story or to completely neglect his story. And what we're going to discover that is if we come into his story, we actually begin to discover our story. We become uh, these messengers of Christmas ourselves, which is pretty incredible that God would do that. I want you to know that God is inviting people all over the world, even this weekend, 
even today in this church, even tomorrow in our church, and in churches all across the world, God is inviting people to enter into the Christmas story. Listen to this text from John chapter 1. It's not a typical Christmas text, but listen to it. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. He was in the world, and the world was there through him. And yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was the one he claimed to be, and would do what he said, he made them to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God-begotten. You see, the invitation is open to all mankind in this hour. It's open for all mankind to come in and to be part of the Christmas story that is still being written in eternity today because there's still members of the cast that are being added and accepting the greatest gift that ever was, and they themselves become a gift even this Christmas season. Well, let's pray as we look at this today, and we're going to look at the different characters of the Christmas story, and some of them are positive and some of them are negative, and we have to decide which one we're, we are going to be. Amen? Amen. So, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your spirit. Lord Jesus, come today and give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better, to know the hope that you've called us to. And God, in this time that we look at the Christmas characters, we're going to see ourselves. We're going to see maybe where we're the positive things that we need to embrace and uh, maybe some things that we need to let go of and change in order to be greater part of this incredible story. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Well, here's the first one we're going to look at is the faithful heroes of the Christmas story. And we're going to look at these different heroes. Jesus, of course, we, we, we've already talked about him. We could talk about him for, forever and forever. But let's look at some of the characters. I'm going to look at the first set of characters, and I'm going to call them the misjudged. The misjudged. And though they're the faithful heroes of the story, and that's Mary and Joseph. I think they were willing to bear the shame of bringing Jesus into this world. I don't think we really meditate on that enough and understand what really happened. You're not going to see this on your screen, but you know the Christmas story, Luke chapter 1, the the angel Gabriel was sent to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and he will be called the Son of God. And I love Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me fulfilled. Now imagine with me, uh, back in those days, the engagement would last a year for Jewish people. So she's engaged to a guy named Joseph. And, uh, you know, Mary is uh, going to go to Joseph now and tell him the good news of her pregnancy. Yeah. Joseph, guess what? God visited me and told me I'm going to have a baby but I've never been with a man. I, I, I'm telling you the truth. It's never... Can you imagine, guys? We don't know the stress and the strain of that moment. And, and, and we know it's true because we know that later on when you read the other Gospels, you find out this is Joseph's, uh, how he responds to the good news of Mary being pregnant with the apparent son of God. 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. This is in Matthew chapter 1. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. There's a new one. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want her to be exposed to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. So as he's contemplating this divorce, he doesn't... You see, I want you to understand something. According to the Jewish law, he actually had a right to have her put to death. That, that, that's pretty staggering. But he's a faithful man, and he doesn't want to put her through public disgrace. And so he decides, I'm going to just divorce her quietly. We'll end this. I'm going to move on with my life. She moves on with her life. I don't know what happened, but this is weird. Then guess what? An angel visits him in a dream. And says, he says, basically, I'll tell you what he says. Here we go. He says, uh, you know, don't worry, uh, you know, Jesus has come from the Holy Spirit, basically, and uh, he's going to save people from their sins. Don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. So he has a a moment there. You have to understand, this is not as simple and as clean cut as, yes, Lord, thy will be done. It is like this guy has to now understand, and he gets it, that in responding to the Lord, in obeying the Lord, he is going to be judged and labeled by every single person in his community. Because she's pregnant. Now, they're not married yet. And you can imagine him going to people, and how do you explain this? No, seriously, I've never been with her. Uh, You know, like, this is from the Holy Spirit. And people are like, "Mm mm-hmm. Because they're just like today, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, Joseph, yep. Went on a little journey, did you, Joseph? Hmm. Do you understand? This is the stuff that they have to bear. Guys, this is, do you understand? Right off the hop, Jesus comes in and, and he's being judged, these people, by bearing the Son of God. Listen to me. There's judgment going on in their lives. How many of you know that that is even true today? You know, here's a question. I'm going to ask you a question about every one of these characters we look at because I think we can find ourselves in the story. And the question for you today is this. Where are you called to bear up the shame of having Jesus in your life? Do you know that it's kind of a pressure, actually, today to be a Christian? Has anybody figured that out? You know, I was thinking about the heroes uh, that really reflect this more today, and I think we need to understand this and honor this. And the heroes that reflect this more today than any of us really understand are students. You think about university students or even students in schools today, how many of you know there's actually a stigma attached to being and holding up the fact that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Can I have all our students stand for a minute? If you're a student, just stand to your feet. Come on. There's more students than that. There we go. Amen. Can we just uh, give these guys a hand? Amen. Just keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, we want to pray the blessing of the Lord upon you. We want to pray for fierce uh, love and obedience in the midst of being a student today. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, bless these incredible students who represent you in this world, God. I pray that the joy of the Lord will be their strength and they will live in such a way that people will begin to ask them, why are you different? I pray, God, that they will find uh, companionship and friendship in their schools I pray the blessing of the Father upon them in every way, in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. So I want to give you guys a word today. Here's your word. 
I'm going to give you a question and I'm going to give you a word. The word for today is Matthew 5. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. God is recording all of it, amen? So I want you to be, you know, kind of make a commitment in your spirit, church, to be praying for students. Don't just think it's easy to be a student today in the university level or even the high school level or even the junior high level. Let's remember to pray for them today. Here's the second group of the faithful heroes that I find is the disappointed. And I'm going to say that the disappointed in the story are Zechariah and Elizabeth. You know, Zechariah and Elizabeth are those, they are priests in the house of God and they faithfully serve God and they've been praying and believing God for something in their life. And what they're believing God for is the gift of a child. And their whole lives they were believing for this and now they're up in years and, uh, and they're saying this is not going to happen and uh, we don't quite understand why. And then suddenly an angel of the Lord appears and uh, shows up and, and he basically says to them, God is coming to you and he's going to give you a son. A son is going to be born to you and he will be a joy and delight to many will rejoice because of his birth. This is in Luke chapter 1. He will bring many people back in Israel to the Lord their God and turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I mean, this is good news. You're going to have a son. He's off the charts awesome. He's incredible. He's going to go in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He's going to go before the Lord God Almighty. Your son is the forerunner to the kingdom of God coming to earth. Wow, wow, wow. And of course, Zachariah's answer is, how can they be sure of this? I'm an old man. <laughs> He's talking to an angel <laughs> who was standing in the presence of God. Do you understand when you stand in the presence of God, you actually radiate the glory of God? This angel just, was, that wasn't enough, you know, like, this angel shows up in the midst of a temple while he's doing these, these, these religious duty, and this angel shows up, and radiating off of him is the glory of God. And he says, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be awesome. He's going to be incredible. How can I be sure of this? I, I think there was a pause in Gabriel for a minute. It's kind of like, you don't know who I am moment. It's like, I love it. Gabriel's like, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the living God. And the angel's like, oh, go Gabriel. <laughs> and he's like, because you didn't believe this, you're not going to be able to talk for the nine months that it occurs. You're like, that seems kind of harsh. Gabriel's a little bit, he's the grumpy angel, we called him. No. He's like, because you're, you're, you're speaking negatively, I'm going to just shut you up for nine months so that you can actually believe this is going to happen. And of course, we know the story when the baby is being dedicated, he, he names, uh, the mom, mom names him John, and they're like, well, we can't name him John. There's nobody in your, in your family named John. And of course, you know the story. He takes a tablet and he writes the name John, and the minute he writes John's name, his voice is loosed, and he begins to prophesy. And one of the greatest poetic, beautiful portions of Scripture is Zechariah worshiping God in that moment. Do you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, it leads me to a question for you today. Where have you been disappointed with God? 
and yet you still remain faithful in your relationship with him. Do you know that's part of the story sometimes? Sometimes we're believing God for things, guys, and it just seems like, God, you're taking your time here. Did you forget about me? And, and you know, I know, I know the pain of holding on to, you know, un, unfulfilled promises yet. Maybe for you, maybe for you, you're thinking about a child that has gone wayward, and you're like, I'm believing you to bring them back, Lord God, to us. Maybe for you, it's a healing. Maybe it's for you a, a relationship that's gone wrong, and you're just believing God. And I think, you know, what I want you to know is that sometimes we go through life and there's disappointments and hard things and, and we just have to keep hanging on and be faithful. And I think that's the call of Zachariah and Elizabeth to us is to hang in there because God will fulfill his promises. He will do that. And I, I just want, I'm going to pray again right now. And this is what I just really felt to do. If you're here today and you're believing God for a healing or for something like in your life, I don't care what it is, I'm gonna pray for those. I want you to stand up if you're believing God for a healing in your life today. I'm standing, yes. Many people standing. Those around them, can you just put your hand on them? We're gonna pray a blessing of the Lord. Just look around, there's people believing. Just go to them, don't be weird, just go to them and just say, hey, I'm, I'm your friend, I'm just gonna put my hand on you and pray for you. Make sure there's nobody that's standing that doesn't have somebody had their hand on them. Okay, we're going to pray the blessing, Lord. Make everybody look around. Don't be shy. Pray for people. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the gift of healing that is the bread of your children. Lord God, come and touch your children right now. For by your stripes we have been healed. And God, you tell us to forget not all your benefits, who forgives all of our sins, Lord, and heals all of our diseases and redeems our life from the pit. Oh God, come and touch your people right now. Holy Spirit, bring healing to bear upon every person here. And whoever has needs and requests and is saying, God, I lift this up to you one more time, we just pray your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Let's look at one more quality group of people. Well, thank you, brother. Amen. I received that. Thank you, Bo. Thanks, John. Amen. Yeah, nobody put their hand on me, John. <laughs> uh, God's good. God's good. Here's the third one, the third group of that heroes of the stories. I call them the expectant, the expectant. And, and in, in our story, it's kind of these little-known characters. Simeon is this guy who's got the gift of prophecy, and all of a sudden God speaks to him years before, maybe, and says, you're going to see the Lord's Messiah. And then when Mary and Joseph walk in and the baby starts crying, he turns and he says, boom, God speaks to him, and now you see him. There he is. He goes over to this little eight-day-old child, and he's like, man, this is it. This is, God's, this is God's Messiah. You're holding the Messiah. Mary's like pondering all these things. Who is this guy coming and talking to me now? <laughs> and, and he prophesies over her and, and talks about this. Is, oh, this guy's going to bring the rise and fall of many. This guy, who, who, he's going to cause some things, some stirring to happen. Incredible. And this lady there, she's there, and her name's Anna. And she's 80, I can't remember what it is, 82 or 86. I can't remember what it is. Uh, but she was married, and seven years after she was married as a young lady, her husband died, and the Bible said she spent day and night 
praying in the temple, prophesying, uh, praying and fasting and believing God for great, incredible things. And you think about the people that are just in this expectancy of, I'm just going to keep being faithful and standing in and standing in and standing in. That's an incredible person. You know, I was thinking about a couple of people in our church, and this is by no means uh, an exhaustive list. But the question for us today in the expectant is, where are you expectantly hanging on to God to finish what he started? I'm just going to be faithful, God, because you are worthy of it. You are worthy of my faithfulness. You are worthy of me to believe. You are worthy of me to praise you, God. I'm hanging on, Lord. The whole world's going crazy, Lord, but I'm hanging on to you. You become part of the Christmas story. You know, I think about, I think about people like Mrs. Agri in our, in our church. You know, Mrs. Agri goes and visits people in the hospital every week. She visits people in their home. She prays for people. She's the busiest non-staff member in our entire church. And uh, she's incredible. Phyllis, is Phyllis Roski here? Phyllis, are you here? Phyllis is 94 years old. And she mans the prayer chain faithfully. I get a prayer from Phyllis. Pastor, you need to pray for? And it's just like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. 94. Guys, I'm telling you, we can just carry on all the way through. Be faithful. Keep hanging on to the Lord. Amen? Keep hanging on to God. Here's your scripture. Well, I didn't give you the scripture for the last one, did I? Oh, my goodness. We'll have to go back, but we'll, we'll do the scripture first for God's word for those who are expectant. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Just keep being faithful, church. You're part of the Christmas story. Let's carry on. I missed that one scripture in Hebrews 11, but you can read it yourself. How about the faithless baddies of the Christmas story? The faithless baddies. Dang. I know, it's terrible. I don't want to be this guy. How about this? The self-protective Herod. The self-protective Herod. See, Herod, Herod feared losing uh, what he had. So at all costs, he said, I, I, I'm going to eliminate this king. Remember the story of the wise men coming? And the wise men come and they, and they go and they, they you know, you've got to understand how important these people are. They show up after a long trip and they're given audience with King Herod. Do you know not everybody can walk in on a king? I don't know if you figured this out. But these guys were important enough that when they showed up, they got ushered into the presence of the king, and they look at King Herod, and they say probably the best slap in the face ever in the history of stories, we are here to see the king of the Jews. Do you know where he is? <laughs> They're talking to the king. <coughs> yeah, you're not him. You're not it. And he's like, what are you talking about? Well, we followed the star, and we've been following the star for likely almost two years. That's the long length of the journey they took to get to this place. And they go there, and Herod's like, well, go, you know, go. And they look up in Bethlehem. That's where he's supposed to be born, which is about five kilometers away from Jerusalem. You go there, and, you know, report back to me, he says, when you find out what's going on, because I want to worship him too. <laughs> no. And of course they go, and then they're warned in a dream, again, not to go back that way. And when they don't go back, Herod loses his mind. And he orders the execution of every child boy, every male boy, every male child. Uh, I got there eventually. <laughs> two years old and under in the whole region. 
And, and the Bible says the voice of Ramah is weeping in the wilderness because their children are no more. We don't know how many hundreds of children were sacrificed by Herod's desire to maintain and hold on to what he had. It's kind of scary. But here's really the question that kind of brings it down for you and for me today. It's where are you fighting God regarding surrender and control? Because that's an important question to answer today. Where am I fighting God regarding surrender and control? Where am I saying, there can be only one king? And I think that hits my heart and hits your heart in different ways, doesn't it? I want my way, not Yahweh. <laughs> Pen that. Somebody write that down. That was pretty good. <laughs> like, Professor Greg, get a t-shirt made. And people are like, what does that mean? I don't know. It was good in the moment. I like it. I want my, yeah, my way, not Yahweh. I like it. Okay. Here's God's word for you today. Ready for God's word for you today? Luke 9. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. You know, when we fight to hang on to those things in our life, I don't know about you, but when I've surrendered to God, I always found in my life that I've gotten everything I've wanted and more, but when I've hung on to what I thought I needed and I wouldn't let go, it just became an anchor to me. And I want you to know that God uh, just wants you to let go. Where he's saying, trust me. Stop trying to fix this yourself. Stop trying, just cry out to me to move in and to do this for your life and for my life. And I think that's where we, you and I need to continue to come into the Christmas story, right? I like the, the song, The Altar. I like what it says. It says, bear your cross as you wait for a crown. Tell the world of the treasure that you found. Just let it go. Trust God, amen? Here's the second one I want to talk about, and that's the apathetic, the innkeeper. I could also talk about the children of or the people of Israel because when the wise men show up, the Bible says Herod was greatly disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. They were greatly disturbed, but nobody made the five-kilometer trip to see if it was true. Don't we do that sometimes in our own life? Yeah, I could go to prayer. Yeah, I could go to church. Eh, kind of tired. Been a long day. I got so many things PVR'd I got to watch. That's why you have a PVR, so you can go to prayer. I'm just going to leave that there. We got some. So we'll call him the apathetic, the innkeeper. This guy's incredible. There's no room in the inn for Mary to give birth to Jesus. But did you know that the innkeeper is never actually written and, met and mentioned in the Bible? There is no innkeeper. It's in every Christmas story we see. Every kid's play, somebody gets to play the innkeeper. But you know he's actually not in the Bible? He doesn't exist. I'm going to tell you a little secret about this guy. He's in the Bible, uh, right? He's in the baddie books, not for what he did, but what he failed to do. That's why he's in the baddie books. Because he had an opportunity. Do you understand? Jesus came to him, and, and, and Mary and Joseph, we were having a baby. She's very pregnant. Woo! And you got to understand, his whole inn is full, guys. It's full. And he's like, ah, woo, very pregnant woman in labor. And of course, he says, there's no room in the inn. No room in the inn. Now, he's thinking to himself, I'm sure of it. I, I can't prove this, but when we get to heaven, you can come to me and say, you were wrong, Pastor Greg. But if you probably forget by then. Um, 
You know, he's thinking, I could make you know, arrangements. There could be, we could make room. We could do some things. I could move him into our private suite. But who wants to be bothered with this? The, the inn is full. There's people all around. Who wants to hear a screaming woman giving birth? My wife has made lamb chops. What am I going to eat? You know, like, I mean, it's crazy. Who wants to clean up the mess? Do you understand? It's messy. And so for what he doesn't do, he is not mentioned in the scriptures. What an opportunity for us to understand. Amazing. And here's the question for us today. Where is Christ asking you to be inconvenienced for the sake of your relationship with him? You know, there's another guy in the Bible. Let me ask you a question. The guy who carried Jesus' cross Does anybody know his name? Simeon. I think, is it Simon or Simeon? You can look it up now. Do you know not only is he mentioned, but how many of you know his children are mentioned? Alexander and Rufus. That's pretty incredible. Do you understand that in that moment, he's, he's walking in the streets, he's with his kids, they're celebrating the Sabbath, uh, their Passover, sorry, and, and they're there and they're partying, and all of a sudden, you pick up the cross and carry it. And there he is being jeered at and laughed at and mocked, carrying the cross of Christ, but he's forever remembered in the Christmas story. He's forever remembered in the story of Christ. That's incredible. That's awesome. That's what we need to do. And here's the word of God for those that are remembered because of their relationship where Christ has asked us to be inconvenienced. Psalm 103 says this, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remain, remember to obey his precepts. I, I really wanted to highlight today and celebrate today um, parents and grandparents who have been faithful in serving God as an example to their kids. Because you think about Simon or Simeon, and now we know his children, and they're part of the story of God because of the faithfulness of a dad willing to bear the cross. And I want to just celebrate. I'm not going to ask you to stand because that would be pretty much all of you. But I want to celebrate today parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Why don't you give me a wave if you're one of those categories? That's pretty well all of you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for them. Amen? Father, thank you for our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents and the faithfulness of bearing the cross of Christ, of standing in the gap, of loving, of making church a priority in their lives, the kingdom of God a priority the people of God, a priority. The church of God, a priority. Thank you for them, Lord. Bless them today. Prosper them today. Strengthen them. Strengthen their houses. May their children's children call them blessed. Amen. And amen. Here's the last one, group. You're like, Pastor, you could end early. I know. It's a miracle of God. Hang in there. 
the innocent bystander who jumped at the chance to become part of the Christmas story. I know we've talked about Simon, but he wasn't really part of the Christmas story. But here's the two that we have already mentioned, but I want to bring them up. The important, the wise men from the East. We think about these things, and we think about these astrologers, and that's what they thought they were, scientists, astronomers. We don't know. Uh, they obviously had wealth in order to be able to take a two-year trip. They uh, obviously were men of importance to have an audience with the king. But you think about the fact that they saw this sign, you guys. They saw this sign and made a nearly two-year journey in order to see if it was true. That is awesome. Can you imagine, like, the, the commitment of these people to say, pack up everything. We've got to get gifts. We've got to get something significant, so cool, so amazing, so awesome is happening. We have to make the trip to do that. Do you understand, um, my friends, that when people come to church sometimes, it's like taking a journey of a 1,000 miles? You guys are strange to them. If you're here visiting today, you're like, yeah, no kidding. Why are people raising their hand? Why was that girl jumping and dancing in the front row? Well, she just got engaged. That's why she was jumping and dancing in the front row. Do you understand? Like it's, we talk weird language to them sometimes. It's like coming into a foreign land, but they're making the journey. They're making the trip. They're saying, could this be true? That a son has been given? That God sent his son to die for me that I might find life and life eternal? Could this be? You know, our people are desperate, guys, for you and I to hold that truth up. You know, we're talking uh, in the new year, we're starting a new series called Living Hope. Living Hope. And it's really about the last days. It's about how should we live in the hope of the soon return of Christ. You know, these guys made this epic journey in the hope of meeting the Messiah. And, and, you know, how should we live knowing that Christ is about to return again? And so we're going to go through that in the new year. And really, Jesus, first of all, is the living hope that has come to us. And, and how should we live in the hope of his soon return? And I'm going to tell you, one of the signs, church, one of the signs we're going to talk about in the new year is that one of the things that starts to happen when Jesus is about to return is that people start to get cold in their relationship with God. And so you and I need to be those people that say, I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm going to live in hope. And so we have living hope, amen? We're going to talk about that. So you want to be committing to coming and hearing the word of the Lord. By the way, is Mirka and Jeff Burt here? They just had a baby. Let's give them a hand. We forgot to celebrate them, amen? Amen. So for all you young men, you can go line up and see what this beautiful little girl looks like. Amen? And, uh, you know, no, Jeff says no. He's shaking his head the other way, saying, forget it. Back off. Hallelujah. The important. Here's the question for us today. Where is God calling you to see the signs and to begin to live from the hope of his soon return? We just can't ignore what's happening in the world today, guys. We have to be alert and awake and saying, God, we're ready. You know, I'm going to celebrate my wife, Betty. My wife loves to think about the return of Jesus. 
She will start worshiping as we're driving down the road. It actually scares me often. Because the sun rays will break through the clouds. It's like, ooh, Jesus is coming. And I'm like, when? I'm repenting of every sin as I'm driving. She just loves to talk about the return of Jesus. That's what she does. And, and uh, you know, I just, I just honor her for that today because it motivates my life uh, to be more alert. I can't fake it. You know, the Bible actually says, here's the word for us today that want, and my wife, people like her. It says in 1st, 2nd Timothy, sorry, 2nd Timothy 4, 8, now there is a store for me, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. I can't even fake it. I try to fake it after my wife says things like, oh man, God just comes. I'm like, yeah, I, I believe that, Betty. I'm really with you. I'm not even thinking about it. I can't fake it. I'm not getting that crown, but she's getting that crown. She's getting that crown. I'm ready for the return of the Lord. Amen? How about the forgotten? They're the shepherds in the story. These are the nobodies in Jesus' world. The forgotten ones, the lowly among us, really the rest of us. <laughs> you know, a Jewish shepherd was so lowly uh, that they couldn't actually be used, brought in to testify in a court of law, in the Jewish court of law. They, they weren't even counted worthy to be able to testify to something in a court of law. That's how lowly these shepherds really were. And yet, who does God go to to be the first ones to bring a testimony of the coming of Jesus? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men upon whom his favor rests. Shepherds. <laughs> and the shepherds go and they see this to be true. They, they're so excited. They're so excited. They're like, could it be true? Let's go and see. And they show up. And they see Christ there, born of a virgin, in a manger. And the shepherds show up on the scene. Those who could not testify in the courts of men are called to be the first witnesses of the coming king of glory. Wow. Here's a question for you today. Where are you thinking of yourself too lowly or small to be a witness for Christ today? You have everything you need to share. The story. You're part of the story. God has called you to be his witnesses. Here's the scripture for you. 1 Corinthians. God chooses the lowly things of the world and the despised things, things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen? I think sometimes we don't think that we're enough to be able to do that. And God's like, I've called you to represent me in this world and testify. And though you are the lowly in your own mind, not in my mind, in your own mind, you can hold up the light of the glory of God in this hour. And that's your joy and your confidence to be able to do that. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to become a faithful hero of the Christmas story. And to do that, we need to do a few things. 
We need to move from inconvenience to conviction, from apathy to action, and from self-centeredness to surrender. I've told this story uh, many times, and if I've done your wedding, I may have told this at your wedding. But I'm going to tell it again today because I think it's a great story. It's a true story uh, about a little, a little boy in the third grade named Charlie. And uh, this story actually took place in Ontario. And so Charlie was a little bit slower than the rest of the kids. And uh, so he wanted to be part of the Christmas story. So the teacher was trying to figure out where to put him in. So she decided that he was going to be the innkeeper. And so in the innkeeper story, in the part of the play, he actually has three lines. And these are his three lines. What do you want? That's when, you know, Mary and Joseph come and they knock on the door. Let us in, let us in, we're having a baby. And that's his first line. His second line is, we have no room for you here. And then, of course, the characters plead with him. And his third line is, go away. So Joseph's pra- or sorry, Charlie's practicing over and over again uh, his three lines, and the day of the play comes, and all the parents are gathered, and all the grandparents are gathered to see the little kids' Christmas play. And uh, by the way, our kids did a great job at the Christmas play. I just want to say it was amazing. You should have been there. Um, so they, they show up, and they knock on the, on the inn's door, and he delivers his first line without a flaw, what do you want? And Joseph's like, my wife's about to give birth and we need a place to stay and we need a place to have a baby. And uh, the innkeeper, Charlie, delivers his second line again flawlessly. He says, we have no room for you here. And then what happens in the story is that they, uh, Mary and Joseph start to, you know, Joseph particularly is arguing, saying, please, you have to let us in. My wife's about to give birth. There has to be room. Just find us a corner space. I don't care what you do. And at that point, Charlie is supposed to deliver his third line, which is, go away. But of course, you know, it's grade three play. Joseph's character runs out of words, and there's this silence. Charlie's sitting there staring, and a little tear starts to roll down his eye. And the teacher's in the back going, go away. Charlie, say go away. Finally, with a trembling voice, Charlie says, go away. And the Joseph and the Mary character turn around, and they begin to walk away. And it's at that moment that Charlie forever changes the Christmas story and adds himself into the story, he says, no, wait, you can have my room. (laughs) Isn't that how we come into the Christmas story, you guys? When we realize we're about to be inconvenienced, when we realize that the cost of, of coming and allowing the Christ child to come into our life, but we say, no matter what the cost is, it's worth it. I'm going to give him my room. I'm going to give him my heart. And I'm going to live for him today. That's the Christmas story that all of us are invited into. Amen? I'm going to ask the band to return. We're going to sing Joy to the World in closing. But I want you all to bow your heads while they start to make their way up. Just bow your heads with me. Close your eyes if you want. Don't fall asleep. Don't worry about the band. They're going to make their way up. I don't know about you, 
but I, I can identify with many of the characters in this story, both the faithful and at times even the baddies, if I'm really honest. And I believe God wanted to speak to every part here today, every person here today, to say, you know, Pastor, I, I, I connected with somebody in that story. It doesn't matter what part of the story or what question hit you, but I just want you to acknowledge in faith and say, Pastor, that's me. I, I'm just going to believe God and, and really start to see myself change more and more into this Christmas story and become part of it even to a greater degree. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. And there should be lots of people. There are lots of us raising our hands. Amen. And I identify with that. I identify with that. Thank you. Thank you. But lastly, I'm going to pray for you. Go ahead and start playing. I'm going to pray for you if you're here today and you identify with Charlie. (laughs) And uh, Jesus is knocking on your heart right now. And he's saying, will you open the door of your life and invite me in? that I might become part of your life. I know there's going to be a cost. I know there's going to be an inconvenience. I know it's going to be hard. But will you let me come in and walk with you every day of your life, both now and forever and forever? If you're here today and you're saying, I need to give my life to God in a new way, I want you to raise your hand to heaven and say, Pastor, that's me. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray a prayer out loud with me. If you've ever asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you can put your hand down. I want you to pray this prayer out loud together with everyone else that's gathered here. Pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die for my sins. Help me to live for him. I invite him into my life right now. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, for the dozen people that raised their hands, let's give them a hand right now. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, if you need prayer, our prayer team's going to be up front here and you can come forward. We're going to stand to our feet now. We're going to sing this song, Joy to the World, with some attitude. Because I don't know about you, but you should have some attitude right now, some happy attitude, good attitude, positive attitude about the joy of the Lord as your strength today. Amen. Why don't we just take a little stretch, do a little stretch. Oh, come on. And we're going to sing Joy to the World. The prayer team's going to gather up front. If you need prayer, you come on up here. But if not, we're just going to sing this song as we're singing. You can start to make your way out. God bless you. Let's sing it together now. Amen. Come on.